Well, I hope everyone is having a great morning of worship so far. We are so glad that you've joined us online as we are worshiping together all throughout our community. My name is Grace Marie. I'm the worship arts director here at Mount Horeb, which typically means on a Sunday morning, I'm leading worship in our contemporary space uh, through music. So I consider it a joy today that I get to lead worship in a different way by opening God's word together and see what he wants to speak to our own hearts today as we do that. You know, for most of us, we are about four to five weeks into spending a lot of extra time at home. For a lot of you, that means your situation has drastically changed. Maybe you're learning how to homeschool your kids, help them with their schoolwork throughout the day. Maybe all of your meetings have gone to video conferencing, which is a challenge in and of itself. Or maybe you're having to cook a lot more than you used to. I know that I am. But I will say that across the board, I think that the thing that has changed for everybody is us reevaluating the things that we truly value. Reevaluating what is really valuable in our lives. And I'm not just talking about the obvious things like family, friends, the community, relationships, those kind of things. I'm talking about the things that we would not have anticipated six months ago as being an incredible value to our life. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but just to help some of you out that aren't really following along, I will say, here's one of the things that has become incredibly valuable to us that we would not have anticipated in the way that it has. Toilet paper. All of a sudden, I'm seeing updates on Facebook that is giving me insight as to where the gold has been restocked. I saw someone post this as bringing home the gold. I never would have thought six months ago that this would be seen as such a treasured item. And don't get me wrong, it's very important. I understand that. But not to the point that we're getting updates about how to actually find it. And I'm about to bless somebody on the tech team here. Here you go. The other thing I know has become something of incredible value is hand sanitizer. And I'm going to let you in on something here for me. I'm not a big hand sanitizer person. I never have been. They usually smell kind of funny, especially the ones who are scented. And they usually feel funny when you put it on your hands. And so I generally stick to being a good citizen by washing my hands frequently and as necessarily, but not someone who generally takes hand sanitizer around and uses it. Now, I, about three weeks ago, I started to run low on it because in this season, it's all of a sudden like, oh, I have hand sanitizer all the time on me. It needs to be used. I'm not trying to get sick. But a few weeks ago, I started to run low. And when I started to run low, I got very nervous because I got online and they were out. Everywhere that I looked, there was nowhere shipping hand sanitizer. I was being told that all the stores were out of hand sanitizer. And I'm like, well, this isn't good. This isn't good. I've got to have my hand sanitizer. All of a sudden, it was this incredible value to me. But I will say that as I started to panic around my house, I had this memory of Christmas morning. For the past probably four, five, six years, my mom started putting these little, small, Christmas-scented hand sanitizers in my Christmas stocking. And when I got home after the Christmas celebration and got to my own house, I remember I was cleaning out my stocking. And for some reason, every year, the hand sanitizers have been put into my junk drawer. Don't act like you don't have a junk drawer. Some of you have more than one. I'm just going to say that I have one junk drawer. But I remembered this. Oh, wait a minute. Mom always put those that I've been basically stockpiling hand sanitizer on accident. And sure enough, I run to the drawer, I open it, and I kid you not, I actually 
find a whole treasure trove of hand sanitizers. And just like I said, the Christmas scented one, Candy Cane Bliss, all of these, and they have gotten me through these last several weeks when I thought I was running low. The very thing I needed was there the whole time, but for me, before this season, it was nothing but just a novelty, something to have around. You see, new seasons and new situations have a way of opening our hearts and minds to what's actually important. To a season before that, it wasn't important at all, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking of this verse, Psalm 119.72. It says this, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. That God's words, that God's truths are more precious to me than gold and silver. You see, this writer in the Psalms had opened his heart to something very valuable. And his value was completely seeing, seen and hearing from the Lord. You know, this morning, we're going to open our hearts and minds to the ways that God wants to speak to us specifically through his word. And I hope that we're changed today because of it. Now, last week, we started a new series called The Next 40 Days. And we're walking through this period together because we believe that some of the encounters that Jesus had in the 40 days after the resurrection were some of the most powerful encounters that he had, some of the most life-changing moments that he had as he walked around and showed people that he was the risen Savior. So we're going to jump in today into one of these stories. If you have your Bible, it's Luke chapter 24. You can follow along with me. And we're going to be looking at a story that is often referred to as the road to Emmaus. Pick it up, Luke 24, verse 13. It says that same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. When we pick up in our story, what we find is these two men, they're on a journey, they're walking, they're going somewhere. They're going to this town called Emmaus. We don't know all the details about why they were going there, but we know they were traveling there. And it says that someone joined them. We know that the character is Jesus that joins them on this road. However, the passage is clear that they were kept from recognizing him. So to these two men, Jesus is a stranger. Though they were followers of him, they did not recognize him in this moment. A couple of things that we wanna point out from the passage that we really can't miss today is that he took the time to walk with two people who really are rather insignificant in the overall narrative of the story. They're not two pivotal characters that we would think Jesus would, would choose to reveal himself to that first day. This is day one out of the tomb. You notice it says that same day. This is after the morning of the resurrection. Day one out of the tomb, and Jesus is taking the time to walk with these two people on their journey. I mean, if it, if it was me day one out of the tomb, I'd be thinking, I've got some people I need to go prove wrong. I got some people I need to go show that I did mean what I said, that I am risen. But no, Jesus is walking with these two disciples on this road. 
He's journeying with them. And we don't want to miss this either, that in the passage, it says there was sadness written across their faces. There was sadness, there was confusion, there was disappointment, and Jesus walked with them because Jesus walks with the weary. Jesus walks with the weary. He didn't just hop in, adjust their attitudes, tell them what they need to do. He walked with them on their journey. He joined them in their situation. He met them in the middle of what they were going through. And I think one of the most beautiful things from the passage is that Jesus is asking questions. He's asking questions. And that was his way of getting them to open up about what was really happening in their life. For me, I see that Jesus is giving them a space to speak. How many of you are the kind of person where you just need a space to speak sometimes? For me, I'm an external processor and any of my closest relationships, they know that about me. I have to process out loud the things that I'm thinking about, the questions that I have. And Jesus steps into this moment and gives these, these two men who are discouraged, who are confused, and who are trying to make sense of everything, gave them the space to speak as he journeyed with them. And I think that is such an important part of this passage. We pick it up in verse 19 again. It says, Jesus asked, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful things and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and in all of the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group, of, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body is missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. This is a complete side note, but I was reading this this past week, and I was like, I wonder if the men didn't believe the women. It's like they had to, they had to check on them as if it was fake news, because the women reported it, but all of a sudden, it's like, let's send some men ahead uh, to, to, to check on that. I see you, disciples. I see what you guys are doing. But truly, the women had the news, and the men come back. They confirm it also that Jesus is risen. So these two men walking with Jesus, journeying with Jesus that day, begin to say all the things that have been going on. They begin to say the reasons that they have felt disappointed. It's in verse 21. We had hoped he was the Messiah. We had hoped he was the Messiah who was coming to rescue Israel. But now they're just left in their confusion and some sort of doubt about everything that's going on. The passage goes on and picks up in verse 25 because see, at this point, Jesus has been a great listener. Jesus has been asking questions, but Jesus did not want them to sit in this any longer. He wanted to speak some clarity, some healing into what they're going through. And this is what Jesus says in verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people or you people who just don't understand, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
So what we don't want to miss in this passage and in this moment when these two followers are disappointed, they're confused, they're weary travelers, they're just trying to process out loud everything that has gone on. In this moment when Jesus could have done anything, he could have said anything, the thing that he actually does is point to the scriptures. Jesus took the time to explain and point to the scriptures. Now, to them, the scriptures would have been just the Old Testament. It would have been just Genesis through Malachi. We have the scriptures today as the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I know a lot of people want to avoid the Old Testament altogether. But we can't miss that Jesus took the time to walk through it, through the books of Moses, through the prophets. And he was weaving together for them how everything was working together to point to this Messiah who would suffer, but then would conquer death itself. You see, when I look at the scriptures of the Old Testament, when I see the book of Genesis, I see that Jesus is the promised seed of the woman. When I see the book of Exodus, I see that he is the Passover lamb. When I see the book of Leviticus, I see that Jesus is the great high priest. When I see the book of Numbers, I see that he is the cloud and the fire that lead the people of God. When I see the book of Deuteronomy, I see that he is gonna be the prophet that's even greater than Moses. When I see the book of Joshua, I see that he is the captain of our salvation. And as the stories go on and on, and as this beautiful narrative is woven together, it all begins to point and make sense to the coming Messiah. When I see the book of Psalms, as we stop there, we see that he is the good shepherd. When we get to the prophets and begin to see all that they began to teach, we see that in Isaiah, he is the suffering servant. We see that in Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. We see that in Ezekiel, he is the resurrection that caused dry bones to life. When we get to the minor prophets, we see all the ways that he is being prophesied, this coming Messiah. And we see that even at the very end in the book of Malachi, that he is the son of righteousness. After 400 silent years, over 2000 years ago, Jesus steps in to human history and was born in a little town called Bethlehem as the promised Messiah. And he walked that dusty road that day with these two men as the risen and resurrected savior of the world. You see, Jesus took the time to point to the scriptures, but what's actually happening is the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. Jesus is pointing to the scriptures. The scriptures are pointing to Jesus and it's something that we can't miss today. The importance of that in the moment of despair and figuring everything out, the scriptures is what pointed them to see things differently and to begin to see him more clearly. Even in this moment, they didn't still recognize who he was. Something changed for them. Something shifted in their heart because they at this moment said, hey, can you, can you stop? Can you stay with it? It said they actually begged him to stay with them. And this is what happens when Jesus decides to stop in Emmaus and stay the night with them. It says in verse 29 that he went home with them and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them and suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. 
Their eyes were open to who he really was, the risen Lord right in front of them. And we're not really sure the reason why that it was at this moment that their eyes were open, that they suddenly could see. Some people say that the last time Jesus would have taken the bread and broken it was only several days before that at the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper with his disciples. As he took the bread, as he broke it, as he took the wine and as he passed it, all as a symbol of his body was gonna be broken the next day. His blood was gonna be shed the next day. Now, these two men would not have been at the supper. However, this was such a powerful and pivotal and intimate moment for the 12 disciples who were with Jesus that in that moment, I'm sure they were impacted. And that was a story that circulated through his followers over the next several days. One of the sweetest and last moments they had with their Jesus. Other people say that in that moment, maybe when he took the bread and broke it, it was the first time that these two men would have seen his hands and they would have seen the nail-pierced hands right before them as they gave, as they received the bread. We don't know all the reasons why their eyes were open, but it says that suddenly they were. Regardless, what we do know is Jesus himself opens eyes to the truth. Jesus opens eyes to the truth and they finally saw the stranger for who he was, the one who had taken the time to walk with them, the one who had taken the time to listen to them, the one who spoke the truth to them in this moment of absolute uncertainty. They see him for Jesus. After he disappeared, after Jesus is suddenly gone from among them, I don't want to miss what the two men say to each other. I love it. It's verse 32. It says, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he explained the scriptures? When you look at the original Greek and what that phrase is actually saying, it's saying, didn't our hearts get set on fire? Their hearts had been set on fire by the scriptures that had been explained that were continually pointing to this Messiah, Jesus. Have you ever had your heart really set on fire for something? Have you ever felt such a drive and a passion and a stirring within you that when you believe this thing, that it began to change everything about you and began to be the driving force behind your life? Some of you have, have surely experienced this. Some of you experienced the presence of God in such a way that it completely shifted what you really cared about. You know, as a, as a worship leader, I love picking out worship songs. I love, I love choosing songs. And I, I love to hear people come to me. And it's so encouraging when people say things like, man, that, that song really does something in my soul. It stirs something in my soul. Or they say things like, man, that, that song just sets me on fire. You know, some of the young people say that song gets me lit. I'm not entirely sure what that actually means. But some of, some of these, these songs that we sing are so powerful. And I just want to encourage you and let you know, we don't pick songs flippantly, flippantly. We're not picking songs that we hope will get people hyped and happy. I want to pick songs that drive people to the truth of Jesus. I want their hearts truly set on fire, but not just because. I want it rooted in God's word in the scriptures, in the person of Jesus, as we see him so, so clearly revealed. You see, in this story, 
at the very end of it, what we don't want to miss is that the journey had come to an end and these two men had walked with him on this road, but their eyes were opened and they were changed forever because they saw Jesus for who he really was. So I ask you this morning, how have your eyes been opened these last few weeks? We've had a lot of time. We've had things stripped away from us that we never thought um, would happen. How we spend our time, how we spend our days, who we spend our time with has drastically changed. But through it all, how have our eyes been opened? What have we truly begun to value differently? You know, just like I said earlier, when it comes to the hand sanitizer that to me was just a novelty, a cutesy little thing, thanks mom for the Christmas stocking, ended up in the junk drawer, not something I really saw as valuable, all of a sudden became of great value. I was way too excited about finding these. I was way too excited about seeing these, something that I had no need for before this season. For some of you, it's taken this current situation to begin to open your eyes to what actually matters in life. Maybe you've been searching high and low. Maybe you've been even looking within the scriptures and not really putting all the pieces together. Maybe you have, have spent a lot of time trying to be religious and it's just not working for you because maybe you've missed Jesus in all of it. Maybe for some of you, your eyes need to be opened once again to the powerful truth that's in God's word. Maybe your own Bible has ended up in the junk drawer or maybe on a junk shelf where it sits, but it's been there the whole time. The very thing you need to help you see clearly, the very thing you need that will point you to the risen Jesus, the one who is resurrected. No matter where you are today, I want to encourage you that Jesus does meet you right in the middle of your situation. He's not just a stranger on the road to Emmaus that we see in this passage. He's the risen Savior that wants to walk with you. He wants to journey with you right where you are. He wants to speak clearly to you that, so that you can see him clearly in your life and that you would value him above all things in your life. And my encouragement to all of us today as we, we begin to see Jesus more clearly through this situation, that it'll carry on past this season. It's not something that when this thing's over that we you know, put back in the junk drawer or we're done with it or we move on. No, it's something that we realize we cling to. It's our hope, it's our joy. As this passage ends, it actually just says, the two from Emmaus told their story. How simple is that? They saw Jesus and they shared the story. Whether you are seeing him for the first time today, whether you're seeing him for the first time through this season or you've seen him and you just want to walk with him more, may our passion be to take the story of this risen Jesus and to share it wherever we go. Let's pray. God, may our eyes be opened to see you more clearly. May we walk with you faithfully and may we seek to share you with people as the true hope that we have in this world. So in your holy name we pray, amen.